This is An American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to re-watching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Katie White, and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host, Chad Hopkins. Hello, Chad. How's it going in Texas? It's a go, and it's starting to get warm. Uh, it's been 80 degrees the past couple of days, I think. Uh, not really looking forward to that, because that just means it gets hotter from here, because it's only just now May, but uh, we'll... We'll survive. <laughs> yeah, we had our first almost 90 degree day when two days ago it was 45. So everyone's losing their minds. <laughs> um, it's I, like, I gotta say, I am glad to be wearing shorts and flip flops. Yes. Like I, I'm all about that aesthetic. Yes. Those of you watching on the live stream, no jackets. And this is what I wore today. Ooh, so yeah. it was a <laughs> real, real close day. Um, so it's nice, but it's just like New York summers are insane i got cocky coming from texas like i can handle it but they're awful because nowhere has central Mm -hmm. air central air it's just i have a box unit right here and that's it for the entire apartment Mm. so it's uh it gets a little a little gross but that's just in theme for new york (laughs) it's just gross (laughs) yeah it it seems like outside of the south uh people try to avoid ac units yeah they're not necessary in a lot of cases yeah Anyways, we're glad to be back uh, talking about season five now, and we do have a new review on iTunes from Neuroplastic Grunt. Uh, This person actually messaged me on Reddit as well. They saw a post in the Dunder Mifflin subreddit that I made a long time ago and uh, have been listening for a while and reached out and told us how much they like the show. So thank you. Uh, Glad you're enjoying it. And, you know, we don't make these special calls for reviews often, uh, but just so you all know, outside of telling your office-loving friends about the podcast. Uh, the best way to show us you're, you love us, or love the show at least, is by <laughs> leaving a rating and review. And iTunes is the best place. That's where most of our downloads do come from. But if you use Stitcher or if you're on Facebook and like us on Facebook, both of those places have rating systems as well, and that would be a great way to support us. So we'd appreciate it. Don't feel obligated, but if you do like the show, that's a great way to show it. Takes two minutes, we promise. Um, if that's you know kind of your first step into supporting us, we would really, really appreciate it. And then you can become like a super awesome uh, listener and maybe do our Patreon. So uh, you get benefits like yeah. like watching uh, watching Chad and I do this live here. So um, anyway, <laughs> so anyway, we can um, uh, anyway you can help us out uh, rating or Patreon, or even just dropping us a line on, you know, Facebook or Twitter saying hi, saying that you're listening. We always really appreciate it. Definitely. Uh, Let's go ahead and go into our discussion over the first episode of season five. It is weight loss. It's actually a combined episode. So if you're watching on Netflix, this will be episodes one and two. Aired on September 25th, 2008, was directed by, uh, by Paul Feig, written by Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stepnitsky. Dunder Mifflin has created a company-wide initiative to promote weight loss and a healthy lifestyle by providing the incentive of three extra vacation days to the branch that loses the most weight. Over the span of several weeks, we see some characters working hard to win, others not so hard. A non-engaged Pam leaves for her three-month art program at the Pratt Institute in New York, leaving her and Jim to cope with the distance. Angela and Andy are engaged, and Angela and Dwight are still sleeping together on the side. All while Andy bends over backwards to plan the wedding and accommodate his bride-to-be's very specific and picky tastes. 
Following Jim's advice, Michael still hasn't asked out Holly, opting instead to be her friend and get to know her first, although he's also still associating with the pregnant Jan, despite this child not being his. And that, I think, is the lengthiest summary I've ever written (laughs) for the podcast. I normally try and keep it short and sweet, just bare bones, but uh, there's lots of things happening in this episode. It's a really, really big episode. Um, I think it might even be bigger than the last episode, which was the finale of season four, Goodbye, Toby, which was a really big episode. Um, But then again, this does cover, I think it's eight weeks, seven weeks, something like that, Mm -hmm. in the timeline of Scranton, Pennsylvania. So it makes sense, but there's a whole lot going on. Right. It seems it's almost like, well, they definitely did give us moments with every single character where we're really sort of catching up with where they are now that the summer has begun and their their plans going into the summer. Uh, so starting off with Michael, as I said, he's still refraining from asking Holly out, but that doesn't stop him from communicating to Jim uh, how attractive he finds her, or to put it less delicately, telling Jim that her butt just refuses to quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as a, as a um, tool, I guess, to help lose weight, Holly leads a yoga class and dead front and center is Michael, um, ready to watch Holly do some <laughs> yoga. And, uh, but he's still on his best behavior. I mean, he isn't saying anything gross to her. He's not coming on to her at all. Um, in fact, Holly feels free to date. We'll get into that, I, I guess, more in a bit. But she is dating other people. Um, we can see that she does like Michael, but it's, he's giving her absolutely no uh, idea that that he likes her. So he's being really reserved. He's learning a lot of personal details about her, like uh, how she broke her le- left leg twice in a year. She's allergic to Sesame Street or Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is that is a good blooper. Okay. She's allergic to Sesame Seeds. Uh, she's read Lonesome Dove three times. And I mean, they get along great. And according to Jim, she's a major dork, just like Michael is. And right after he has that talking head where he says that, we cut to a scene of Holly beatboxing while Michael freestyles really badly. And uh, he calls her DJ Jazzy Flax, Uh, a Fresh Prince reference for sure. But uh, yeah, I I think Michael is doing exercising two extremes when it's a woman maybe he doesn't care as much about. He thinks he cares about her a whole lot and just goes way overboard like he did with Carol, like he did with Jan. Now it's Holly. Jim's giving given him this advice to not pursue things so quickly, and it's almost like he's putting off an air of disinterest rather than just not trying to actively pursue it. Like there, there is a difference between those two things. If if you are wanting to take things slowly, just don't ask her out. You don't have to act like you're not interested in her or like you actively want her to participate in dating other people. And that's just the the balance that Michael's not finding. Yeah, in fact, Holly is so um, so sure that Michael doesn't like her that she's kind of holding back and thinking, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't date other guys. Oscar um, mentions that his yoga instructor is really cute and maybe Holly would want to date her, d- date him rather. And um, she says, oh, you know, I'm actually not dating. Well, she first says she's a lesbian and that becomes an awkward joke with, uh, or an awkward conversation rather with Oscar. But it comes out, you know, I'm, I'm just not dating right now because she's kind of holding back for Michael. She's kind of thinking maybe he does like me. I don't know. Um, and then he makes it clear to her anyway that he does not like her. So she does take Oscar up on meeting uh, his yoga instructors. So she's very sure of it. Uh, and Michael even goes so far as to encourage her and wish 
her luck on her date. Um, so very, very slow, I guess he's taking it. Um, yeah. But maybe a better move for Michael. And Jan being around certainly doesn't help at all either. With uh, She shows up at the office, uh, very pregnant, and he's giving her a foot massage. And Holly asks Oscar, who's the woman with the feet in Michael's office? <laughs> and uh, it's after that that she decides, okay, I'll, I'll go with the, the yoga instructor. Give him, go ahead and give him my number. And so, yeah, there, there's all of that. Holly, Jan, Michael, it's not a love triangle at all, but Michael is just not being clear with anybody uh, what's happening. Uh, we do see that he still cares about and feels close to Pam. Uh, he, he sees that she's leaving about, or about to leave the parking lot. Um, and he, he sprints out of his office and runs out the building and falls down two flights of stairs. <laughs> and, uh, then he says, you know, I, I wrote this really long goodbye poem. Uh, I left it upstairs. Can you wait here until I go up and get it? No, I can't, Michael. Okay. Well, the last word was seagulls. I borrowed a lot from other poems. <laughs> I'm sure it was beautiful. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I got to give it to Michael. He, he lets people know what he cares about them and he does care about Pam. And so I, I thought that was a sweet moment. Yeah, he really doesn't want her to go away for three months, um, and nor does Jim. He uh, made it clear at the beginning of the episode, he says, why haven't I proposed yet? Well, we don't, we, we talked about it. We were just open about it. We didn't want to start our engagement um, living apart, because, and we didn't want to have a long engagement, something about her past, some guy that used to work here, because Pam, of course, <laughs> had a, what was it, three-year-long engagement with with Roy? Uh, for some reason, I thought it was like six. That's very or, likely. Like, I, th- I thought it was really lengthy. Yeah, I can't remember, but it was definitely longer than the standard engagement. Uh, so Pam definitely wants to keep this as abbreviated as possible. You know, let's get married, one and done. Real quick, you are right. It was three years oh. in the pilot episode. Oh, in the pilot. Okay, so yeah, another yeah. you know maybe year onto that. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, something like that. <laughs> um. So, yeah, they decide not to get engaged yet um, to keep, I don't know, to keep it short, I guess, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I guess it does. If, if, if you're living apart, you might not be able to, to speed that engagement along, but the, anyway, they decide not to, and of course, by the end of this episode, that's a different story. Yeah, I mean, I, I can sort of understand it. The, avoiding the whole long engagement and being engaged while they're not even around each other. But I think that would also help Pam to avoid maybe awkward conversations with people in New York, seeing a, a ring on her finger and then having to explain, oh yeah, well, we're we're not with each other right now because I'm here doing this and he's still back at home and we'll be together eventually. And, uh, oh, that must be hard. And just having all these mm. long conversations with people she doesn't really care about yeah. <laughs> is something that I imagine she's avoiding by not putting the ring on her finger yet. But, uh, Man, I got to say, I love the moment where he does propose. And he promised back in, uh, what, what episode was it? It was just a couple episodes ago towards the end of season four where he says, oh, well, I am going to be proposing and you're not going to expect it at all. Yeah, it was that moment at Pam's desk. I don't remember the episode specifically because um, it wasn't really related to the episode. It was just a little moment, which is what made it even cooler. Um, it was chair model. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, since we're on the subject, uh, I think it's week seven, six or seven of this episode that it's pouring down rain. Um, Jim and Pam are first they're on the phone and they're IMing because Jim decides, you know what, I really want to meet you for lunch today. Um, they have a, a rest stop that they both know. He said, let's just meet there. Um, it's halfway between New York and Scranton. Let's just meet there and we'll go grab lunch. You'll be back in time for class. So they get there. He doesn't even hug her or kiss her. He just drops down to his knee, pulls out a ring. <laughs> He's just, okay, I'm ready. Let's do this. I'm sick of not being engaged to you. Um, so it's a really, really awesome moment. And we hear some of their, some of their dialogue. And, um, but it's still a very private moment. Even though we do hear what they're saying, it's just, it's like we're eavesdropping. I don't know. I've always really loved that scene. Me too. And uh, I mean, you could just see throughout the episode as they're going week by week by week, there's one moment where Jim says, yeah, I haven't talked to my girlfriend in 10 days. I haven't seen her in 10 days. And so it's just a matter of having that even stronger emotional connection of an engagement that I think helps them sort of tough through it all and make the, the weight worth it, if anything. Uh, talking just a little bit more about Michael, um, I also wanted to note that it, it's it's funny that his desire for Holly has him complimenting an HR initiative. Uh, he he talks about how th- this whole weight loss thing is a really good thing, and it, it's good good on HR for coming up with this idea to make us healthy and help us to lose weight. Nothing like that would have ever escaped Michael's mouth when Toby was the face of HR at Dunder Mifflin Scranton. And so he, he's warmed up to the position a little bit because of Holly. Now, also, um, round week four of everything, Michael all of a sudden has a goatee. And we don't know what's going on at first. And then Ryan shows up sporting the very same goatee. So that explains that. <laughs> Ryan is back, and uh, which is surprising enough, and now he also has a horrible beard. But he, um, I guess, is is known for his horrible beards at this point. He's had a he's had a couple, but he is back in Scranton, uh, working for Dunder Mifflin, which is something none of us expected him to be doing because he was fired so hard from from Dunder Mifflin for, of course, his uh, his fraud. I think everybody's seen that gif of Ryan writing in his little black book, uh, and it's it's people who wrong him so that when he gets back on top, they'll be sorry. Now, I'm having a difficult time imagining a future where Ryan gets back on top after committing fraud uh, in the corporate office of a company, but he he is trying to make amends. Uh, I, I doubt they're genuine, but he goes up to Jim, for example, and says, sorry for the way I behaved last year, uh, now that I'm not. Uh, in the rat race anymore we can just hopefully put that in the past and get back to being friends or whatever he says i i'm a different man i'm a different person i'm volunteering and jim says you mean your court appointed <laughs> volunteer service community service ryan says i don't need com- uh, a judge to tell me to clean up my city or clean up my town jim says but he did tell you that, right? <laughs> and so away in the book, Jim goes. And so Ryan is back. Yes, he is back to temp status. And he's uh, planning revenge, apparently, at some point. I just have a hard time believing that this would be allowed in the slightest. Um, and what Michael thinks 
or how Michael thinks that this is a good idea. Um, because Ryan, of course, started as the temp, um, bottom of the totem pole, somehow got promoted to a corporate position, got arrested for fraud, clearly fired from Dunder Mifflin, and then back at the bottom in the same branch he started in. And it's just how David Wallace would allow this. Um, in fact, skipping ahead a bit to uh, some deleted scenes, we get a really good one that we'll talk about in a bit. Um, but yeah. he's not happy uh, that that Ryan's back at all. Other people to check in with. Let's see. Dwight yes. takes the weight loss thing a little bit more seriously than a lot of the others do, or, or at least he seems to. We don't get any details on his personal weight loss, but at the beginning, they're all enjoying the big smorgasbord of snacks and cheese and carbs, all that kind of stuff. Uh, everybody starts talking about, oh, I'll take these leftovers home to my family. And Dwight says, oh, you just think you will. And he comes in with a can of Raid, giant can of bug spray, and he basically poisons everybody and sprays it everywhere. And uh, so that ends the possibility of leftovers. He doesn't want anybody eating anything after weigh-in. And then he removes everything from the vending machine and replaces it with fruit, which sounds and does end up being a really bad idea because uh, you basically have to eat it in a day or two. And also, I don't think it would work in a vending machine anyways. Not the way he just sort of hammers it all in. Literally. And uh, <laughs> yeah, literally hammers it all in. <laughs> um, I appreciate the sentiment, I suppose, <laughs> but it, it just doesn't work. And then later, when things just aren't sort of going super well, he says, I'm going to point at three random people, and those people will get yeah. liposuction on their own dime. And he goes, uh, let's see, uh, Kevin Stanley Phyllis. And <laughs> he names the, the three biggest people in the office, and uh, Phyllis is upset by that. And so he apologizes. And decides to offer her a peace treaty of a two-man surefire sale and pushes her out of his car five miles away uh, at an abandoned warehouse in a bad part of town without a purse, a phone, or a wallet of any kind, and she has to walk back. She is pissed, and Phyllis doesn't get pissed, (laughs) and she makes that phone call to David Wallace. This is the most pissed we've seen Phyllis, I think, ever. Um, She's, like, shaking. Uh, and of course, Dwight sees no problem with, with what he did because he took her purse. She's not going to get mugged. <laughs> Why are you concerned? Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah. she... that's the only danger out there is getting mugged. Right. Yeah. Um, not to mention just incredibly like rude <laughs> just to push somebody out of a car. Rude isn't quite the word, but rude works um, to push somebody out of a car and, and make them walk all the way back. It's just such a Dwight thing to do and um really so inconsiderate of like yeah we're, we're doing the whole weight loss thing that's a great goal but targeting specific people in the office is such a I don't know such a low thing to do um do you think he was really keen on getting the vacation days or do you think he was just keen on winning the competition oh the competition for sure I mean Dwight okay. it, it's Dwight I think he wouldn't take the the vacation days. I, mean, I think he'd come to work anyway. Well, right. I, yeah. Well, I mean, I think in one of the deleted scenes, he says, my ideal vacation, everybody else on vacation and me at the office by myself. Right. Right. He Doesn't wants he say to something like himself. that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And so the, Dwight has no use for vacation days. And so I think it purely is just for the sake of saying, hey, we won this competition. Right. Uh, but and he definitely is sleeping. 
Oh, go ahead. You go ahead. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going. He is uh, sleeping with Angela still. Um, Ugh. And he's proud of it. He's so proud of it. And it's a lot. In this one episode, we see, oh, something like five. Uh, she like pages him, I think. And the pages come at a very consistent time. And it's anytime she has spoken with her fiance. <laughs> Uh, and he just gets under her skin. And so anytime they finish a conversation, she, you know, Dwight's on the ready and they go to the warehouse. Um, and it's just really creepy and gross, but Angela seems so much more annoyed with Andy than ever. And Andy, while yeah, annoying is trying really, really hard. And he is giving so many options for the wedding and he has done all this research and He's just so much more into marrying her than she is. Um, and she's being really rude about it. She's saying, like, just do it, and I don't care, and things that you shouldn't be saying when you're planning a wedding, because this is totally optional. You don't have to get married, <laughs> so don't if you're not into it. Like, poor Andy. I, f- I really feel for him in this episode. Yeah, we learn a couple of things about the two of them in this episode. Number one, they haven't seen each other naked. And, I mean, in some relationships, that's not a big deal, but in you know, this kind of comedy, this kind of TV show, it's pretty regular, especially considering that Angela had been sleeping with Dwight. They were very physical and they weren't engaged. And now Angela is engaged to Andy and they aren't physical at all. I mean, they haven't seen each other naked, let alone slept with one another. And he's doing all the wedding plannings, which is backwards from what is usually expected. He has a quote, every little boy fantasizes about his fairy tale wedding. It's so backwards from what you'd expect. And there's nothing wrong with that, except it's just, it's strange because she is so not into any of this and he's trying to accommodate her in any way he can, but just, he he just can't find what it is she wants from the wedding. And, you know, he irritates her. She calls Dwight, irritates her. She calls Dwight. It's almost like her, it's, it's weird. It's almost like him irritating her is some sort of sick aphrodisiac that leads her to wanting to be with Dwight more, you know? Yeah. Um, and eventually it does sort of work out for Andy for a little while where he says, you know, I don't care where or under what circumstance we get married because I just want to spend our life together. And that wins her over for a little bit. And she actually stands up Dwight at that moment because she had just called him and Andy says that and she's, she kisses him. On the lips, a real kiss, unlike the fake kisses Andy made up <laughs> several <laughs> episodes back. And uh, she stays for a while, but uh, that isn't even forever. There is one moment that I have a little bit of faith in Andy and Angela when um, she has just slept with Dwight and she says, okay, that was the last time I have a fiance I very much like, which isn't love. I will give you that. She did not say that she loves him. And I don't think she does. But she this is the first time we've even heard that she likes him at all. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was almost surprising to hear It's like, Oh, you actually do like Andy. That's news to me. Um, But that was the only tiny sliver of hope that I had for them in this really in this uh, episode, because she's just cruel to him. Um, Mm -hmm. And you're right, I think it's some kind of like, not necessarily an aphrodisiac, but some kind of just push towards Dwight, because I don't want to go too much into it, because it's actually my discussion topic, but that is, uh, <laughs> that's what I want to say about that. 
it, it's not until Andy tells her, you know, my college acapella group from Cornell, which, by the way, Andy went to Cornell, if you hadn't heard. Oh, yeah. Ivy League? Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here Comes Trouble is available for the date of their wedding. And so he books them. And she says, you know, I'm really not into that. And this is the one thing Andy's not willing to bend over backwards for. He says it's a deal breaker. And that's uh, sort of what makes her pick up the bottle again, figuratively speaking. <laughs> she pages Dwight right then and there, and they're back at it. Um, at one point early in the episode, the camera crew asks her how she sleeps at night. And she says, I have a nice comforter and several cozy pillows. I usually read a chapter of a book, and it's lights out by 8.30. That's how I sleep at night. <laughs> and, you know, this is really the part of the show... Uh, every time I watch through, I really just sort of start to hate Angela. I mean, she wasn't ever a good person uh, that we've seen so far. She's been cold-hearted and cruel in a lot of ways at several points in this uh, show so far. But infidelity is awful. And to this degree, it's disgusting. And it, it's just, it's tough to watch because she is, she claims to be a Christian. She claims to be this uh, paragon of what a righteous person should be, and yet here she is just committing one of the—I say one of the worst sins. You know what I mean. It's just an awful thing she's doing, leading on Andy uh, to be engaged to him, but still sleeping with somebody else. And that's a good point you make about them never having seen each other naked, which, if you took Angela out of context, that could be totally— in her realm, you know, maybe she didn't want to sleep with anybody before she's married. I would have totally pegged her for that person. But she's sleeping with Dwight. <laughs> um, yeah. Don't sleep with anybody. And if you're going to sleep with somebody, it better be your fiance. <laughs> um, yeah. And not anybody else. And it's just not, not a tick on Angela's box. That's not a good characteristic at all. Uh, what other characters you got? We hit most of them. The only other little bit I think I wanted to mention was about Toby. At the very last um, <laughs> cut of this episode, we get uh, a shocking like take that we didn't expect. We cut to Toby in a neck brace or a back brace um, in a pretty rundown hospital, presumably in Costa Rica. He went ziplining on his third day fell and broke his neck and um he's been there well the episode was seven or eight weeks long and goodbye toby was at the end of last season and he fell on his mm. third day so he's been in the hospital bed for almost two months uh chilling <laughs> um yeah. he said he hasn't even seen the beach yet so it's really i mean whether or not you like toby that's really sad yeah, I think we finally see him in week eight, and he says he's been in the hospital for five weeks. Mm -hmm. So I guess there was a, a few-week buffer period between Goodbye Toby and then uh, him actually going to Costa Rica. That's right, uh, yeah. But, but still, I mean, that's a long time in the hospital, and he's, like, completely immobile, too. He, yeah. He's not in a position to be moving around a lot. He uh, made it seem like he hadn't had many visitors at all when the documentary crew said hi. He was like, oh, this is really nice to have to have a visitor. Yeah. So he's been, <laughs> poor guy, sitting alone for five weeks. Revisiting a thread from Goodbye Toby, Holly still thinks that Kevin is mentally handicapped. Um, yeah. I sort of wondered how long this has been going on. Like, I, I didn't know if we had an official time gap between Goodbye Toby and this episode. 
Uh, I did some research. I found a timeline on the Dunderpedia office wiki page. Mm. I don't know if I completely trust it, but they put Go- Goodbye Toby in uh, May of 2008 and weight loss in July. So a couple months, according to these people. Um, I'll put that link in the show notes if you want to check that out mm-hmm. yourself. Uh, like I said, I don't know how reliable it is, but it, it's been a couple months that Holly's been going on thinking that Kevin is mentally handicapped. And that moment when... Angela is just laying into Kevin about something he messed up or didn't do. And she calls him an idiot. And Holly stands up for him and says, he is not an idiot. Kevin says, thank you, Holly. He is mentally challenged. And hold up. Wait a second. <laughs> that No. <laughs> the, the office goes silent. And there's this moment where we see Oscar just like raise a hand to his face. Like, <laughs> I can't believe that just happened. It is the people talk about the cringe moments in the office. And that's the cringe moment of this episode. Yeah. Um, even Angela, who's laying into Kevin at that moment, kind of sticks up for him and is like, that is very offensive. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it had went on that long or it, it had gone on that long. Um, it's just mm-hmm. you feel like somebody would have caught on that Holly was treating Kevin so like childlike because she totally changes her demeanor when she talks to him. She gets very small. And she, like shortens her words, and she's just very careful around him. And you would have thought that somebody would have noticed that, but it's gone on for yeah, at least two months. And I'm inclined to think maybe even longer, because they're mm-hmm. recapping their summer, and July is still you know midsummer. So um, right, and I mean, uh, let's see what uh, Ryan when he comes back, he when he apologizes to Jim, he says how he treated you last year. So mm. I, I don't know. It, it, there's always a possibility of there being a writing error, right. uh, but I, I just don't know how accurate that timeline is. So. And of course, this was just following the writer's strike and everything. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a funny timeline for everyone. We've got Stanley losing weight for his own reasons. And successfully, mm-hmm. he decides to take the stairs. He lifts a ream of paper with his feet under his desk, and uh, he loses four pounds by the third way in and seven pounds in the end. So Stanley had a good summer. Uh, Kelly, not so much. <laughs> oh, Kelly uh, in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> that, that moment where she, she's like Gollum in Lord of the Rings, crouching over a piece of fish, like, uh, leave me alone. I'm, I'm Just let me be pathetic. She's taking the weight loss so seriously. She's on a juice cleanse, uh, drinking maple syrup, lemon juice, cayenne pepper, and water for all three meals. And she just looks terrible. I pretty much had all of my Kelly stuff in my funny moments because while this is not yep. funny... It's just so funny at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it's not funny to starve yourself. I'm not saying that at all. But no. the way that they handled the storyline is just really, really funny. She's uh, Yeah, I mean, it's written to be funny. Yeah, I mean, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. And she has this talking head where she says, yeah, I, I've been dieting really hard. I just bought some uh, size zero or two, whatever it was, swimsuits. Size two swimsuits, so uh, I look amazing. <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> she's like hunched over. She's got huge dark circles under her eyes. She's like sweating. <laughs> but I look amazing. <laughs> and I, I love that later Michael convinces her to start eating normally again at his uh, sort of body <laughs> appreciation seminar, only for them to decide oh, we actually have a chance of winning again. And he comes across her eating like a pizza. He says, what are you doing? We had a contest to win, Kelly. <laughs> She's like, but i <laughs> starving. <laughs> and of course, uh, um, we have a great bit where she, ha- she says that she has swallowed a tapeworm 
to help her lose weight. Creed sold it to her. Uh, and she, she says, you know, it's going to eat all my food for me. And then in a couple of months, I'm going to swallow a pill and I'll pass the tapeworm. And we just cut to Creed and he says, that wasn't a tapeworm. <laughs> I don't know what that was. I'm hoping it was a placebo or something safe. I'm going to yeah. err on the side of that <laughs> and not sully the name of Creed. <laughs> I looked up images of tapeworms to see what Creed might have given her that resembled a tapeworm or made her think it was a tapeworm. I don't recommend it because tapeworms look gross. So don't yeah, do it. Don't ever, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we could use the Kelly talk to sort of transfer into our funny moments. Uh, what character do you want to start with? Let's see. Um, Michael's always a good place to start. Um, he's bragging about his willpower, how he once went 28 years without having sex, and then an. <laughs> And then again for another seven, as if that was his willpower and not just him yeah. not having sex. <laughs> yeah, it, him just probably like repelling every woman <laughs> he came across just because it's Michael and he doesn't know how to behave. But it was his choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for Michael, for me, uh, I didn't have a whole lot of funny Michael moments in this one. I thought he was pretty tame in regards to how he normally is. Uh, when everyone groans about losing the contest at the end, he says, hold on, everybody. You lost a ton of weight. Literally. A lot of Literally. weight. And you have Ryan in the background just sort of looking back and forth like, uh, that didn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> Michael wants Kelly, uh, speaking of Kelly, to feel good about her weight um, as she is. So he asks her to stand on the chair and asks everyone to say good things about her. And he says, no, 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 like more specifically about her body. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> Kelly, instead of being mortified, Kelly is Kelly, so she just eats it up. She says, yeah. what, else, what else does everyone like about me? <laughs> just <laughs> fishing for compliments. Jim, at the beginning, uh, Dwight has everyone take one more bite of eclair before they're being weighed. He says, uh, just hold it in your mouth if you can't swallow. And we get one of those Jim classic looks at the camera. And we know what he's saying. And we know what he's thinking. And he looks at Michael standing right next to him, who's sort of more preoccupied with Holly, really. Um, Jim asks, really? Nothing? <laughs> and nope, Michael <laughs> Michael didn't catch it. That was a pretty great that's what she said. One of my favorite moments, uh, funny moments-wise, for this episode was Ryan trying to kind of get Kelly back. And I just love Kelly in this moment. Um, first of all, Ryan blamed treating Kelly badly the last few years on 9-11, saying he had never truly processed 9-11, and that's why he treated her badly. And then Kelly, um, or he, he asks Kelly out to dinner and she turns him down, which just, I think, felt so good on the collective psyche of the audience <laughs> to be like, yes, turn him <laughs> down. Um, and then he says, OK, well, maybe I'll see you around. And she says, it's a small office. <laughs> I <Right>. just <laughs> love her in that moment. Just, yes, finally. Thank you. He's a jerk. And then, of course, later we see Ryan sitting at reception and uh, Kelly bringing Daryl upstairs to sit on the couch in front of reception so she can sort of make out with Daryl as she's making side eyes at she's Ryan. She's watching. And jealous. <laughs> yeah. Um, when Jim talks with Pam on the phone, he's joking about how he's a disappointment to his nephew uh, who's playing baseball and, or t-ball and he hasn't made it to the first three games. He says, yeah, I suck. And Dwight says, yeah, you do suck. Jim tells Pam, hey, Dwight says hi. And Dwight says, I do not. I do not say hi, Pam. And Jim just says, he's saying hi louder. <laughs> um, 
But I also love right after that when he switches to IM uh, to make lunch plans. And Dwight says, you know, I'm going to write both of you up for not working. Jim says, well, I'm going to write you up for not working. Dwight says, touche. Neither of us will write the other up for not working. <laughs> and that's that. <laughs> <laughs> a, a good one, of course, when the employees are being weighed, uh, they get a reading of... Uh, 2,336 pounds. And then it's noted that Pam shouldn't be counted since she's leaving for New York next week. So they reweigh at 200, sorry, 2,210 pounds. And you just, it just pans over everyone just doing, <laughs> doing the mental math in their head. <laughs> Kevin, of course, thinks that she weighs what? 226 pounds. Yeah, he adds an extra 100. Extra 100, yeah. And uh, Holly's like, close, Kevin, close. <laughs> Pam's like, not close, Holly. Um, no, that's not close. <laughs> not, not close to 200. No. <laughs> let's just, let's um, just go on, she says. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, I like, speaking of Dwight's fruit vending machine, later in the episode, we see lots of flies on the rotted fruit <laughs> at this point. Because it's probably the same fruit he originally put in several weeks ago. He just reaches in the, the slot at the bottom and grabs that can of Raid and he sprays it all. Yep, good to go. Safe to Ugh. eat. The bugs are dead so we can continue to... Uh, eat this fruit from the vending machine, I still wouldn't recommend mm, it. <laughs> not so much. Last one for me. I know we're running a bit long. Um, it's Stanley's birthday, right in the middle of this whole weight loss thing. And he really loves cheesecake, but they're doing the weight loss thing, of course. So they get him uh, fruit instead. And so the image of just the party happening in the break room with all of the employees standing around, there's a bunch of fruit and like a bucket of water of like bottled water and that's what they're having for the party and they're just standing there eating fruit and drinking water and it's just such a sad party <laughs> i uh just have a, a few small moments there's mm. a moment where creed is sitting at his desk with rice and he's portioning it out but he's lining it up like he's doing a line of cocaine he's got his card out <laughs> his credit card out and he's carefully lining it up and, okay and scoop it into the bowl or whatever he's doing but it's like he's doing a line of coke uh so not really a surprise with creed we sort of suspect that kind of history with him anyways uh when ryan shows up kevin approaches him at reception and calls him fired guy <laughs> which is a nice callback from the fire in season two that gets kevin on the list um and then Andy had a couple of great, Andy had a few great quotes in this one. There was the one about planning every little boy fantasizing about his fairy tale wedding. There's uh, when he says, this is the hardest thing I've had to do in my entire life. And he says, I haven't had a very hard life. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he knows that. That's important to me that right. he knows that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is uh, at least a pretty self-aware moment for him. <laughs> and then he says towards the end, Andy Bernard does not lose contests. He wins them or he quits them because they are unfair. Those are the <laughs> only two options. <laughs> uh, anything else for the main discussion of the episode? Uh, no. If we want to go into deleted scenes. Deleted scenes. You got it. Um, Dwight describes his perfect last meal including how he would use the razor blade in, uh, inside of the souffle to escape from prison. So his, his uh, last meal, of course, would have the souffle, and then his cousin, I think he said, would have planted a, um, a razor blade in his last meal. So, of course, he uh, is using this as some crazy scheme to escape. 
Yeah, he says he would uh, peel off the guard's face with the razor blade yeah. and walk out. <laughs> And then uh, he would seek out the man who obviously framed him because there's no way he would commit the crime to get in jail in the first place. It, it's a twisted last yeah. meal story. <laughs> I don't know what kind of imagination this guy has, but uh, it's vivid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is exactly my kind of humor, which is why I pointed out Holly in the opening scene uh, with the, the food before they do their first weigh-in asks Michael if she wants to see, his si- or see her sidekick. He says, sure. And she literally does just a small kick to the side. <laughs> and that's, it's, it's the smallest little thing. And it's really not that funny, but it made me laugh a lot because but Michael loves Holly's it. a dork and, <laughs> and I'm a dork. Yeah, yeah it's, it's great. Uh, in the name of weight loss, Kevin dumps the contents of his M&M jar in the trash, uh, which Oscar says, good for you. That's, that's really impressive. And then he replaces uh, the jar with, with raisinets. So I guess it's a step in the right direction. It's at least Dang. raisins covered. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, you're just adding Kevin, food at that point. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Kevin, Holly uh, comments on Kevin putting spaghetti on his bread again in that opening scene. And uh, he talks about that being a lot of carbohydrates. And Holly's like, wow, that is a big word, <laughs> Kevin. Good job. <laughs> carbohydrates. <laughs> yeah. Oscar has a talking head. Uh, Regarding weight loss, he says, I'm, I, I'm in good shape, but I'm not, you know, in inc- incredibly impressive shape. Uh, and I'm a gay man. I'm in the gay community. I have straight abs. I want gay abs. <laughs> 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 Insinuating, of course, that gay men just look incredible all the time and work out yeah. like insane. Um, <laughs> so Oscar looks like a straight man, apparently, he thinks. Uh, there's a deleted scene between Toby and Oscar, actually, over Skype. They're talking with each other at Oscar's desk. And it's before the accident, obviously. And Toby, he talks about meeting a couple there. And wow, the woman's amazing. Sound familiar? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, and then Michael interrupts so that they can go weigh themselves. And rather than say goodbye or hang up the call, uh, Oscar just leaves them alone. And Toby realizes this and he just sighs as he realizes he's been abandoned. But I thought that, that the fact that he found a couple and he was uh, apparently attracted to the woman, uh, it's telling about the kind of guy Toby is apparently, or the kind of luck he has at least. Uh, we get a little bit in the episode about Jim. Uh, Jim has a talking head in the main episode saying how Michael's not the father to this baby. Definitely not. Uh, but we get sort of an extended version of this in the deleted scenes where Jim says, yeah, Michael's not the father. Um, you know how I know this? Because well, he told us that he's the father, but, and he pulls out a letter written by Jan that she sent to the entire office saying, you do not know the father. I do not know the father. No one in this office is the father. Don't listen to anyone in this office. If they tell you that, the, that they are the father of this baby, they are not. Um, so she kind of, went behind Michael's back and made sure that everyone knew that Michael was not the father. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Michael punishes Jim for his bad advice uh, regarding taking things slowly with Holly by having Dwight confiscate Jim's chair until Friday. And so there's a later deleted scene where Jim is just sitting on a stack of paper reams in in lieu of his chair's (laughs) absence. And uh, also sort of surrounding that, was uh, Michael's groan down in the warehouse when he heard that Holly's date went well. 
And he told her that the reason for that groan was because a friend died. No, totally nonspecific, just a friend died. Also, Jim knows him, so I need to talk with him about it first. And that's when Michael takes away his chair. Uh, but she approaches him later to talk about it. Uh, and he says, it was Michael Scarn, and he worked for the government. And that's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> so slipping in some uh, threat level midnight. Yeah, references. Um, I have a couple about Ryan. One is very short. It's, it, we see uh, Ryan's mom dropping him off at work with a bagged paper lunch, or a paper bag lunch. Um, so he's just gone way back to, you know, high school Ryan here, but in, a, in the suit with a beard. Um, he's just baby Ryan again. And we see Ryan take a call from David Wallace, who is just screaming at him. Um, I, it doesn't fire him, but I, he's just screaming. And he becomes uh, so just incredibly outraged that Ryan's working for the company again. And Ryan bursts into tears. And then we cut to a talking head of Ryan. Tears in his eyes with his notepad. And he just writes down David Wallace's name. <laughs> it's like, but he's in the book now. <laughs> um, harsh yeah that deleted scene literally made me drop my jaw while i was watching i thought no way david wallace kind-hearted david wallace is just going off on this guy and i I, there were a couple of uh choice words i think that we couldn't hear all too clearly he also threw around the words worthless and pathetic (laughs) it it was rough and i mean he didn't fire ryan i don't know he technically had the authority to. He calls Michael shortly after to say, why on earth did you allow this guy back into a Dunder Mifflin building? And Ryan or Michael, having the, the boy crush on Ryan that he does, stands up for him and vouches for him. And so Ryan is able to stay on at the end of the episode. But that, that deleted scene, is it's intense. Yeah. I mean, we I think Ryan has put on a pretty tough skin. I don't think he's posing too much i mean i think he's a pretty level-headed individual and he's capable of holding his own but uh i think that just shows all the more how visceral uh david wallace was in that that deleted scene and how ruthless in a way but i I won't say that ryan didn't deserve it right let's talk about the commentary um which was a unique commentary because everybody on this was production it was no actors, no directors, no writers even. It was producers and costumes and all that cool kind of stuff. Uh, so like one of the first little tidbits we get is that the, the raid or the, the bug spray bottle was fake. It was actually special custom made and ordered. It was aerosol uh, water, which is really cool. Mm. Yeah. I, it, props has always been really interesting to me because like you couldn't, in like a saga after a show, you know, you can't um, spray raid around <laughs> like working right. people. It's just not legal. Um, so it's, it's neat that they have the funds and the uh, ability to, to get these um, custom made products whenever they, whenever they need them and write them in. There was a lot of talk of wardrobe here. Um, it was the, I don't have her name, I apologize, but this wardrobe director, it was her first episode with The Office, and it was a heck of a wardrobe episode because they had um, eight weeks of wardrobe choices, and um, 
the scheduling to keep everybody in the right costuming. And they even said that they, they did screw up a few times and had to fix it in post where somebody would be wearing, you know, a green shirt or something and have to fix it because they were in the wrong week's costume or um, the beards. Cause at, at one point we have, I think three beards, Ryan, Michael, and then Dwight gets a little bit of one at the end as well. Um, <laughs> And we get a couple of misplaced beards, too. Um, I think technically they said Michael was supposed to have a beard after we see Ryan back. But it kind of got mixed up in the arranging of things. Um, So we see him with one before it's explained. Stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So apparently this was a logistical nightmare. Yeah, it's one of the first episodes or one of the few episodes and probably the first one to take place over longer than a week of time. They generally try and keep it a week or less as far as what's covered in a single episode. And so uh, one of the cases they mentioned as far as having to fix things continuity-wise is they had to digitally alter the color of like Andy's shirt and tie during mm-hmm. a talking head because it just the way they rearranged things or positioned things, he was wearing the wrong thing for the talking head for that point in the episode. So they actually went in and digitally recolored things, which is really cool in certain ways, but it also sounds like a headache. Yeah. Um, they also revealed that when they filmed this, you know, they filmed in California, most of the things. They did do a couple things on location, but uh, it was really hot in California when they filmed this episode. And there are a couple of outside scenes. And Steve Carell, who is notorious for sweating, uh, we've talked about before how they always keep it ice cold in the office itself just because he tends to sweat. Uh, they, they got him an ice vest that's made for keeping runners cool. And so he, they, they dressed him lightly and then put the... the ice vest on under his clothing so he could stay a little bit cooler uh, but there is one scene where you a deleted scene actually where you get to see steve carell in his full sweaty glory <laughs> as he's wearing a uh, trash bag and it's just it's literally dripping off his face i i didn't know yeah. if there were tears at first because i think it's the scene after he talked to david wallace about ryan and he goes out to ryan and uh, says you're fine but th- there's liquid all over his face uh, and it's it's because andy turned up the heat and Steve Curls wearing his trash bag. <laughs> uh, we talked about the fruit flies a bit ago, or the uh, the fruit specifically. Dwight hammering the fruit into the vending machine. They said it took about an hour to film for some reason, and then they had fruit flies for weeks and weeks because of that one scene. The fruit flies, which apparently cost thousands of dollars, um, and I forget their reasoning, but there's a, a specific breed of fly... Um, they could have gone digital, but it looked better when they were real. And so they spent big bucks on these very specific flies. I'm not sure why, but it looked good to me. So yeah, I guess it looked like the real thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's what they wanted to say, right? I mean, it was yeah. a real thing. So <laughs> it was. Uh, they just mentioned that the Michael and Holly rap was made up on the spot. They talked about how well Amy Ryan as Holly sort of fit into the cast. And I do just want to mention real quick, not everybody seems to know this. The, the diehard fans do. But Holly's real name is Hollis. Uh, Holly is a nickname. And we see that mm. on a nameplate on her desk. So I just wanted to mention that. So uh, everybody knows now, at least if you listen to <laughs> us. If you were watching the episode and were very confused when you looked at Meredith in a couple of scenes, you're not alone. Um, There was a whole storyline where Meredith got sunburned that wasn't really fully explained uh, in the final cut or explained at all, I don't think. I think we got a deleted scene with it, um, which which we didn't mention, but there was a whole storyline where she 
has a pool at her condo and was trying to make more friends or something. So she spent a whole lot of time at the pool and got really sunburned. So you see this blistery, awful sunburn on her face. That's what that is. <laughs> um, the actress, Kate Flannery, wasn't going through anything. That was an intentional thing. It just was never explained. So, Yeah. Uh, now you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, the iChat scenes with Pam on the laptop were filmed in real time, which they've done before with phone calls. This was their first time with video calls. Uh, so she was actually, Jenna Fisher was actually on the other end of the laptop when they filmed. And they had separate issues with that because of the uh, microwaves that were coming off, like the cameras that they were using to film. Uh, so that when like Steve Carell picked up the laptop and started carrying it, all of a sudden it would shut off because of these microwaves. So they had to figure out how to turn them off so that they could use the laptop correctly and film everything live. So that's pretty cool, too. Now, this rest stop where Jim proposed is a huge, uh, it was a huge labor of love, I understand, from Greg Daniels. Um, it had a huge, like, undertaking just to happen. They originally wanted to kind of come up to the Northeast, and because they, they wanted this specific Northeast-style rest stop, which I can't attest to. I live in the city, so I don't see a whole lot of rest stops, but apparently there's a look to it. Um, he wanted the northeast trees. He wanted it to be raining. It had to be raining. Uh, there were all of these conditions that had to happen. There was one rest stop that was in Connecticut that they really wanted, but the rest stop didn't agree to be filmed. Um, they There were just all these issues. They were going to build it, but it was going to be... Um, or sorry, they did end up building it. Um, they found a huge, huge lot, acres and acres, in uh, Los Feliz, California, it was, I think they said, a, um, like a waste dumping site. <laughs> so it was, um, they put waste underground, they covered it with asphalt on top or with concrete, um, and it was just a massive, expansive thing, which ended up working perfectly um, for them. And so they could bring in their crew, they could bring in the fake rain, um, which I assume is under some sort of covering. So they had like a big, huge thing. They couldn't also do that on a working highway because that's obviously a huge um liability and illegal so they ended up building um the rest stop there the trees i think did they say those were in post or were those planted um i don't remember that to be honest yeah but it was just this huge um undertaking and then they built essentially a racetrack for the cars um yeah it was like a, a no like a no end, like like a loop, essentially. So the cars could be driving mm -hmm. 40, 50, 60 miles an hour down this loop and just turn right back around and do it again because um, they had all this space. So crazy that they were able to do this and spend all this money to build this rest stop. But Greg Daniels had such a specific idea of what he wanted. Yeah, that's what they talked about the most. Like they sporadically talked about the the process to getting the rest stop throughout the entire episode, which was really cool. Mm -hmm. So if you you can get your hands on the deleted scene or not the deleted scene, the the episode with the commentary is definitely worthwhile to listen to just to hear them talk about this proposal. And uh, speaking of the proposal specifically, they didn't know like the day the episode aired, they still didn't know if they were going to go with the version that had us hearing the proposal where we could actually hear Jim proposing to Pam and her saying yes and all that, or the other version, which was 
silent. I don't know if it was imposed with music on top or if it was just like pure silence and we were able to witness visually it happening. Uh, but literally the day of, Greg Daniels hadn't decided which one they were going to use. And we eventually did get the version with audio. Uh, but yeah, it, it's crazy that <laughs> he, he waited until the last possible second to make that decision. He was very particular. Hmm. Uh, something I never really realized, because we get this shot a lot, but that's totally superimposed, is uh, whenever we shoot in Michael's office, but looking down his window, into the parking lot, that's not actually the main set. Um, that shot is actually Jennifer Salata's office. So that's her window oh, really? looking down onto a different stage. Um, that is the parking lot stage. I'm not sure if that's the actual parking lot that they use when they shoot in the parking lot, but that is um, not actually Michael's window at all, which kind of baffles my mind a little bit. There was something they drew attention to in the commentary that. Uh, we, we realize, but we sort of don't think about, I think, uh, when Jim goes and visits Pam at her dorm and he tricks the camera guy into looking away and then he closes his door in his face so that he can't come inside and they can have a moment alone. Well, after that happens, you actually hear the camera guy sigh as uh, the door is closed. You, it's just, there's no words. It's just a, like, they got me. Uh, I'm missing out. and. That's one of the few instances, at least early on, where they draw attention to the fact that there is an actual camera crew and it's not just like these disembodied cameras. There are actual people there filming this documentary. The scale that they use, the uh, warehouse scale, was custom built by a weighing systems uh, company that went totally uncredited, no promotions. It was free, even. Uh, They just were huge fans of the show and wanted to see their product uh, featured on TV. So that's really neat that they just donated a custom-made scale <laughs> to, uh, yeah, it's awesome. to, to the office. Yeah, that's neat. Um, last one for me. Um, the, just the fun tidbit that the fat suit that Steve Carell wore for Michael Klump uh, made him laugh a lot, despite him usually being, as they call him, the consummate professional. They said the first time he walked on set, he, he couldn't get through his first line with a straight face. <laughs> yeah, I think that was it for me, actually, as well. Well, cool. I have the discussion topic today, um, and it's two little ones. Okay. Number one, the more serious one. Do you think Dwight and Angela were sleeping together before Angela's engagement to Andy? Mm. Since, since they were together. Right. Uh, you mean like between Sprinkle's death and the engagement? Mm-hmm. Right. Is that like when Phyllis? Them? Yeah. Like when Phyllis walked in on them, do you think that was their first time since? I think so. And I, I think it was, I, I don't know. I'm trying to sort of put myself in Angela's mind, which isn't really a place I want to be. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I think that denying Dwight for so long in favor of Andy, uh, just sort of messed with her and then when she finally sort of gave in to andy and said yes i'll marry you it was just the the straw that broke the camel's back in the other direction uh andy Mm -hmm. makes me feel good but dwight makes me feel good you know and (laughs) i i think that's sort of the the way that went yeah i tend to agree with you i think what we were talking about earlier where angela 
it's like a kickback to Dwight every time Andy annoys her. And I think in some weird way, getting engaged was the first annoyance. <laughs> um, right. So she goes and sleeps with Dwight. Yeah. Uh, my second one, a bit more fun. At the very beginning, we see them having their giant feast. It's their last meal, they say. Um, so last meal, what would you choose? Oh, are, are we talking about last meal? Like I'm about to be put to death or like <laughs> last know. meal. I'm about to take a diet for a long time. <laughs> um, I hadn't thought too much about it because I don't want to be too, too grim. I'll let right. you decide that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, I could, if there's pizza to be had, I will eat the pizza. It, it, it's a curse really. <laughs> Um, but, uh, I mean, I'll eat pizza. I, I, I'm perfectly fine. <laughs> Just give me a whole lot of pizza. Give me a, like a buffet. Set me out of a buffet and I will eat it. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. What about you? Hmm. See, I kind of post the same question. I'm like, am I dying? Like how, <laughs> like how, how crazy last can I is go this with last this? meal? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, any carb situation like pasta is my mm. pasta is my pizza if there's pasta to be had yeah. i will have it um but if it was like a death row situation i don't know i gotta go like maybe i'll throw some pasta in there maybe i'll have like a side of mac and cheese or something but i don't know like a ribeye like i gotta go yeah. big <laughs> i mean but other yeah. options for me are like lots of spaghetti or yeah. lobster. I mean, I'm your girl. I, I like seafood lobster. in general, but lobster, mm, that's well, pretty good stuff. A lob, like a seafood pasta. There we go. A lobster pasta. Yeah. A lobster ravioli. There we go. <laughs> lobster pasta pizza. Lobster pasta pizza. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that healthy note, that ends our 39th episode of an American Workplace. You can contact us at facebook.com slash workplacepod or at workplacepod on Twitter. You can rate, review, and subscribe, as Chad mentioned a bit at the beginning, on iTunes or any place you listen to podcasts. You can email feedback and ideas to workplacepod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at ktlady623 or at facebook.com slash katie.white. The best place to find me is on Twitter at chadadada, C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Also, facebook.com slash chad.hopkins. And then there's my other podcast, Cinescope, where we talk about the movies we love and why we love them. You can find that where podcasts can be found or at thecinescopepodcast.com. And all the show notes and contact information can be found at workplacepodcast.com. And if you want a shout out or more of an American Workplace each week, including access to our discussion outline and notes where we sort of organize everything before we start recording a logo sticker, bonus episodes, and live streams. We're videoing this right now. It's on YouTube for our Patreon subscribers. Uh, you can check out our Patreon page and pick the support level that you think is worth it to you at patreon.com slash workplace pod. And on that note, we need bonus episode ideas. We've, we've started our trivia game and we've done the first four seasons and we won't do the fifth season until we get finished with the fifth season. So, uh, we're not necessarily struggling for ideas, but we'd love to hear what you guys would like to hear us to talk about. So, uh, drop by Patreon, give us suggestions on what you want to hear in regards to additional bonus content every week. It helps us out and it's a way for us to see what you guys want to hear more of. Um, and it's always fun to like 
I don't know, do, do what you guys want us to do. This is, uh, this is really all about, all about the listener at the end. So please do let us know, Twitter, Facebook, uh, email, just reach out and we'll, we'll get back to you. And that is all for this week. Thank you for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode 39 of An American Workplace. Make sure to join us in episode 40 for our discussion on the first two episodes of season five, Business Ethics and Baby Shower. Bye. Thank you.